Welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert. Good evening, friends and neighbors, and welcome to the latest edition of the Gifts for Glory podcast. We'll be watching live on social media, or you're joining us on the Creative Motion Network, or listening to the audio podcast released uh, every week. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Really excited to uh, have this episode. Uh, we've got uh, the director of uh, Church People, which is coming out on DVD and digital download September 3rd, Christopher Sean Shaw. And the writer and star of the film, uh, Thor Ramsey, uh, coming up in just a few moments. Uh, really excited to share this with you. If you haven't heard about Church People film, uh, first thing I, I want to ask is, where have you been? Uh, second thing is, I want to make sure that that you are looking forward to buying the release so that you and your family, in, in a year and now two years of just so much uh, stress and anxiety, take a break, take a couple hours, enjoy the film, bring your family, your friends over, and uh, you're really going to enjoy uh, a Church People film. We're going to talk a lot about that uh, coming up in this episode. Uh, let's dive into our uh, Devotions with Dave segment. Our Devotions with Dave segment uh, is coming from uh, Matthew 24, 24. And uh, with this verse, you know, I, I've just seen so many people talking all over social media saying that you know they believe certain things. And I just wanted to... to to share this scripture because I think it's so important that we realize that, that Jesus knew that there would be people coming out, coming in the name of the Lord saying that I heard this, or I believe this, and we have to test it against the word. Uh, Jesus tells us for false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders. So as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. So that verse is just Jesus again, telling us, Keep your eyes and ears open, but always re- refer back to the Word and always refer back to the the indwelling of the Holy Spirit so that you know what's true and what's not. Because, unfortunately, even God's chosen ones might be deceived by some of these amazing feats and wonders that may happen, especially as we get closer to the end times. Uh, so keep your eyes and ears open, uh, keep your heart pointed to God, and keep your, your head in the Word. And you'll be able to fight against these uh, false messiahs and false prophets who are going to rise up and perform even great signs and wonders uh, to deceive. So that was just on my heart today uh, as we go into our uh, Devotion with Dave segment, Matthew 24, 24, out of the uh, New Living Translation. Uh, so let's get to our show for tonight. I want to uh, first play the uh, the trailer to the movies. Um, if you haven't seen it, haven't heard about it, you're going to really enjoy the trailer and unlike a lot of movies lately, the trailer doesn't give it all away. So uh, you're really going to enjoy this. And uh, we'll be back with uh, Thor Ramsey and Christopher Sean Shaw after this amazing trailer. I told you if we broke attendance records, I'd get the church logo tattooed on my arm. Yeah, remember back when we first started? All we did was preach the gospel. Ooh. Superman works. I like Superman. Guy, what do you think? What happened to you? Me? Your dad is the one with the gimmicks. The power of the Holy Spirit propels us. 
I just went to church to get back to the gospel. Problem is you're trying to get your message across. Uh, the gospel. Right, right, right. And ain't nobody listening to that. A good Friday and Easter. I need something big. Amen. Bigger than the resurrection. Bigger than anything we've ever done. National headlines. Preach on the death and resurrection of Jesus. Plan. An actual crucifixion. Uh-oh. By placing the nails through your palms in the right place, we hope to avoid major nerve damage. Operation Stop Skip is a go. That's awesome. You have to cancel this good Friday stunt. Don't be so dramatic, honey. Ooh, I like the rusty ones. What are you going to do? I told him he's insane. I've been praying for you about that toe fungus. This could be beneficial for all parties involved. We foster a yes environment here. to marry you and you could be my wife I have an answer for you <laughs> All right that is the trailer and uh, now we are joined by uh uh, we've got Christopher Sean Shaw, and we got Thor Ramsey, the uh, star and also writer of, uh, or one of the writers, uh, the initial writer of uh, uh, Church People. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks for, having for having us. us. So let's dive right in. Uh, the, the the movie asks one great question, and what's your opinion? Is the gospel enough? Well, that's the point yes. of the movie, so I hope it is. <laughs> and that's our show. No, otherwise the movies are Paul's prophet. So there you go. It's like yeah. Paul's right in line with your devotional today. So, uh, uh, Christopher Sean Shaw, you've been uh, with us uh, back when we were audio only, and uh, uh, Thor's our uh, first chance that you and I have met uh, officially. We were uh, together on a uh, another program many many moons ago, uh, the uh, the cross program uh, where we had a whole group of people. So now I get you guys all to myself. I'm going to be very selfish and enjoy it. Um, so tell us a little bit about the uh, the movie and how it uh, how it happened. Uh, I know that Thor is uh, pretty much your your initial baby, and then you kind of shared yeah. it with with uh, uh, several other writers. Uh, so tell us how how it came about. Um, well, basically, uh, I was working on this screenplay about a youth pastor in crisis. It was called Youth Group, and. Uh, I had about 30 pages of it. You know, I didn't really have a, I was just kind of doing a slice of life. It was really kind of inspired by the tone. The tone I was going for was uh, John Favreau did a movie about, I don't know, 2009, 1996, 1996. <laughs> wow. It was only a decade off. So anyway, that's how long it's been in but John Favreau, who, who's, uh, people may know from, uh, he directed elf. He played happy in the Marvel universe. he, I think he created and wrote and directed a bunch of episodes of the Mandalorian, but he's a good actor and good director, but he wrote, he, he wrote it. I don't think he directed it, but he wrote a screenplay called swingers, which was about a guy whose girlfriend breaks up with him and he has three or four friends trying to help him get over it. And it was just kind Mm -hmm. of a slice of life comedy. And I liked the tone. So I was trying to take that tone and write it, write it in the Christian subculture since that's, you know, where I come from and that's what I'm familiar with. So you write what you know. So I had a meeting with Sony Affirm, 
uh, I don't know, back in the day when I had a manager in a career I cared about, had a meeting with them. <laughs> before I met him. Before yeah, I met him. Yeah. So clearly, once I met Christopher, your career's on the downslide at that point anyway. But, uh, oh, oh, um, oh, oh. <laughs> wow. You, you said it. It's it like, yeah, when I cared. And then once I didn't care, Christopher came into my life. So, um, uh, but I pitched this. So I had a meeting with them and I pitched them these three different ideas and, and I had two fully developed, you know, other ideas, but they were just for general market. They were general market comedies and they wanted a faith based. So they would like to see the youth group thing. So I went home and wrote it that week, sent it to him. And there's a guy, he's still over there. I always mention him because he's a great guy named Josh Nadler. And uh, Josh called me up and gave me notes to do a rewrite. So I did a rewrite and he did this five times. So I don't know if that's a standard procedure, but that's how Josh handled me. And um, the last meeting we had on the phone, he says, what your script needs now is a big idea to bring all the characters together. Hmm. So I'm like, okay. It is, but I have my, you know, now I have my antennas up for a big idea. Well, I had a friend uh, who's a church planter. He called me up and he goes, you're not going to believe what this mega church that we're all familiar with that's nationally known is doing for Good Friday. I'm like, well, what are they doing? I'm all ears. He says, they're actually crucifying someone on Good Friday. I go, I go there's no way. He goes, I'm looking at their uh, social media. This is him. This is me. But I'm looking at their social media. I'm like, well, let me check it out. So I get on social media and it turns out what they were doing was a passion play, but it was going to be so realistic that they had all these warnings about if you're squeamish and you know, mm. the side of blood, et cetera, et cetera. But what hit me is that so many evangelical pastors, you know, for whatever intentions, I, I assume good intentions, were trying to draw people to church with such crazy ideas that for a second and I, my friend and I actually believed that an American evangelical pastor would actually crucify someone on a Friday, good Friday to draw people to church. And right then I go, there's the big idea. So that became the centerpiece of the story through, uh, I, did, I probably did 30, 30 drafts of my, 30 drafts on my own. And then uh, um, at the very end, Wes Halula and I spent probably a month together doing the final uh, draft together, which was a great experience. Wes is a great guy. It really um, that experience has led me to collaborate now with multiple people and do different uh, screenplays now. And how um, many screenplays have you written this year alone, Thor? Well, probably four. Yep. With and working, and working on a fifth one. Yeah. So, but ten total. But uh, ask me how many have been produced. <laughs> well, <laughs> how many? One. One. Church people. But <laughs> that was the kind of the idea. So at that point, then. Once I had the script, I just started looking for I wanted to, I just wanted to get it made because I was mm -hmm. thinking, you know, give me 25 grand and I'm going to get a ragtag a group of people together with a, you know, and just shoot this thing because uh, you know, cameras had been advancing that rapidly and uh and that's when Christopher Sean Shaw entered the program. I I guess we were Facebook friends. We were we were Facebook friends and he was making videos of his goldfish and of course, that tells you a lot about Christopher's, you know, status at that time. Lonely, single, <laughs> really lonely. And uh, so I'll turn it over to Christopher at that point on how we connected online. So we met on Facebook in 2009. And um, 
I was familiar with him from uh, uh, Bananas Comedy DVDs mm-hmm. that I was getting through. Appealing this, comedy for the whole family. Appealing comedy for the yes. whole family, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and my whole family at the time consisted of me and eventually my goldfish at that time. But um, but uh, so I'm He's watching. Is a, a foster fish, so that it didn't even work out. For him, so. <laughs> you gonna let me talk? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just interjecting to make you interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is why I go to Thor for writing because he he spices it up, makes it funny, but um. So so anyway, we were connected already, but I was, and then I started making these Goldie the Goldfish videos, and I was posting them and sending them to different comedians, and I think I probably messaged some to you, or you saw them on my wall, or whatever. And um, he just sends me this kind of cryptic message out of the blue on Facebook that said, "Tell me about your film background." Dot dot dot. There's nothing <laughs> cryptic about that. It's a direct. It's a direct question. Like it, you're making films, so tell me about your film back. I don't know what's cryptic about that. Like if I says like, so what does goldfish taste like? You know that might have been a little creepy. But there's nothing cryptic about cryptic about either one of those. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Go well, on. I didn't know the con. I, well, first of all, I didn't know he was a screenwriter. I knew he was a stand-up comic. That's what I knew. And and I was a Thor Ramsey fanboy, so I loved his humor and his wit and but i didn't know he was doing screenplays i didn't know he was acting um and so i thought you know well what's going on here is he does he have some kind of a show that he's hosting he's going to interview filmmakers or i had no idea and so i responded to his very short message with a very long verbose message and at the end of the message he at least read that part um i invited him shows about people obsessed with their pets so I noticed you making films of your goldfish. I like you on the program. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I invited him to be on our 168 film project. And this was back in uh, 2010. And uh, he graciously accepted. And that project became a very beloved short film called Skip Listening. It's some mm-hmm. of, I mean, some people that we know, it's still one of their favorite short films, if not their favorite short film. And we actually well, we now have a feature best script picture. for that too. We were runner What's up. Best we were runner up. We were, we were runner up best picture, runner up best comedy, and runner up best comedy screenplay at the 168 festival that year in 2010. Okay. So that was exciting. And uh, we enjoyed that experience so much that we've done several 168 projects since. We've probably done, I don't know, eight, seven of those, eight, eight of those. And then we've done some other shorts. And um, so, anyway, we're prepping. We're auditioning people and we're prepping to shoot Skip Listening. And he tells me about this script that he wants to direct and star in called Youth Group. And he was just trying to network with filmmakers to get it made. And he was thinking. Really like, looking for a cameraman. But he couldn't be dependent upon for that. So, yeah. Um, so, anyway. Uh, as we're filming Skip Listening, for some reason, he decides that he doesn't want to direct it anymore. And I'm like, well, who do you want to direct it? And, of course, I'm hoping he would say me. And uh, he said, well, you could direct it. And that's well, literally how I initially got the game. I still wanted to direct it. But what I realized is when you're making a film, it's a community project. You need You need to develop a team of people. So some things you have to give up. Yeah. And thankfully, he gave up directing it. So, 
Um, so, so then, so then later that year, we did a proof of concept trailer. We took the script at that time and we spent a 12 and a half hour shoot day, uh, compiling, I think we shot like seven or eight scenes from that script. And then Matthew Reithmeyer, uh, put together a trailer. And by the end of the year, uh, the last uh, December of 2010, it was online, and we started pitching it. How long was that trailer? About two minutes, or a minute and a half, or two and a half? Uh, it, was over, it was over two minutes. It was, I think, it was about like two oh eight or two fifteen or something okay. like that. Yeah. All right. It, yeah, it was and a normal. It, it was basically, hey, here's what this movie could look like if we had funding. Yeah. And it it was it was monumentally helpful because eventually, even then, I, go ahead. What's that? I was going to say, even then, people liked the trailer. Hmm. Oh yeah, people loved the trailer, well, and some people thought it was already a made movie. Oh, that's right. I got contacted by a youth uh, conference. They wanted me to premiere the film there. Like I had to tell them, like, well, I appreciate that, but the film doesn't exist yet. <laughs> it's just a trailer that we're hoping to get the film made. So, and, for, uh, so for a couple of years, I blasted it all over social media, embarrassed Thor. Blasted is like an understatement. It's, it was literally, it was like the guy had a, his job was to post it every five minutes somewhere in the universe, but it worked. It Got worked. Eventually, Stephen Baldwin saw it. He reached out. He was like, who do I speak with directly to see how I can best support your vision for this project? And soon we're emailing. And then that turned into a conference call and that turned into an in-person meeting and which lasted nearly three hours, and uh, and that was 2013. So, with Stephen Baldwin on board to help find the funding, it still took about three and a half years before cameras rolled. We shot it in 2016, and we didn't have a distribution at that time. We had to find distribution, so that's part of the reason why it took so long for for now. A big part of the reason. Um, so, it released in theaters this year in March. Um, it was a three-day Fathom event, which is typically only one night, but because of COVID and stuff, they negotiated three days. And uh, it's coming out on DVD and digital. So and we were number 10 at the box office. On September 3rd. What? And we were number 10 at the box office. We were number 10 at the box office on a per-screen average. Yes. There you go. Which is pretty good for a Fathom event. Yeah. Very good. Especially during and, COVID. Especially during COVID, yeah. We were in about 400 theaters, theaters and three people. So, still. I know you like that joke, Thor, but we were really in about 400 theaters nationwide. I know. So it was during COVID. So yeah. Just, 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 I'm, it's my, it's expressing my frustration with the disappointment that we didn't put off the release until the theaters were open again because I didn't even get to see it in the theater. But anyway, let's move on with my bitterness. <laughs> well, the uh, the I was actually in Florida. Uh, my mom had uh, just had heart surgery, so I left her behind for an evening to go to Orlando to uh, to see it, and it was well worth it. And uh, you that's know, well not a good to go plug. To- like my mother was dying, but I left her <laughs> to go see her movie. Like, wow, okay, but uh, at the same time, <laughs> can we use that in the marketing? Can we? Yes. I left <laughs> my dying mother to see church people, and it was great. It yeah, was worth the guilt trip. There you, oh, there you go. Now that's the guilt trip. Yeah, that's, that's great. I left my mother in the hospital to see this movie. It was worth the guilt trip. There's a yes. we're gonna use that in the promo. Is it September third? I keep telling people September seventh. No, it's September third. What are you? 
Wow, I got to get Where this Where have straight. you been? Well, it's, I got the first week right. So, oh. so uh, Thor, were you always planning to be the lead, or was this something that just kind of felt like? Well, that was my plan. All right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I write everything with a, that's really how I got into standup because, uh, back in the day when I started standup in 1987, it was the lowest rung of show business. And, um, you know, I wish the computer technology back then would have been what we have today. It probably would have been, you know, ahead of the game, but I wasn't ahead of the game. I was behind the game delivering pizzas for Domino's. So that really put you behind the game. But I started standup because it was a way to just start writing. And uh, seeing if people responded to your material. And then the goal was to do stand-up and then write screenplays. But I naively, and we're always naive when we inter- undertake something that we've never done before, stand-up is hard work. Hmm. So, you know, I had to really focus on working hard. But the nice thing about stand-up is you are writing. Um, so, But my initial routine sounded like Captain Kirk because I was a writer – like a, everyone develops differently in terms of their material. And I wrote mine out, like literally my pauses, everything uh, that I'd write. Those were all scripted. All my gaffes were even scripted. So, mm-hmm. but my delivery, it's like, I'd have to memorize it. And I go up on stage and you're like, it's the first time you're delivering it. And all of a sudden you're like, you're delivering your lines like your Captain Kirk. From the original, I actually had a comedian say that to me once. Like he says, you know, you sound like Captain Kirk when you deliver your jokes. Like, and I realized it was because I didn't know my material very well. So, but anyway, so I'm writing, delivering material, and that's uh, you know that was the goal. But you do get sidetracked by doing something like that because yeah. uh, you know you're focusing on stand up and your career there starts moving and along. Traveling so. a lot, I'm sure. Traveling a lot. And some of it's just you know, like, to be honest, you're young when you're younger. You're just undisciplined. You don't know how to manage your time. I had so much time on the road. I literally could have written. Well, even now you're going. But some of it is, you know, I will say this, and uh, people can disagree, because I've, I've noticed this. This is one of my, my uh, I don't know, what's one of my, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Irritations? Pep. I hate the term pet peeve. That's why I avoided it. But I guess I, I don't one know. One of his irritations is the term pet peeve. Yeah, anyway, so. For those who are tabulating. But, there are these youngsters now, and I call them youngsters, that they're 30-somethings, and they're in charge of major Christian publications. Like, that's just, you know, I, I'm old school. That's just too young. These should be 60-year-old people in charge of these things because it takes you that long in terms of your life experience to really, like, even now, like, so now I'm not going to say my age because it's showbiz. So <laughs> how, what, can, what age can I play is the question. So forget the questions <laughs> about age. The issue is this. Um, it's taken me this long to get to the point where I can sit down and collaborate with someone and really write a good first draft within two or three, two or three months. But I would even say if you have a strong idea that you're excited about, uh, Brad Stein, really, we had our first draft done within two weeks. And, uh, and that's the best thing. And now it's, we've honed it since then. But that project, in my opinion, is the best thing I've ever worked on. So I'm really excited about that one called The Revenge of Adam and Eve. But Brad Stein and I wrote that together. But I couldn't have done this in my 20s, my late 20s or my early 30s even, just because your life experience is not the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, It takes time to get – well, you know, Jerry Seinfeld will tell you that. Uh, Matter of fact, the guy who wrote the book, what was the book? Uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book years ago 
I don't remember the name of the book, but the whole point of the book is you got to do things over and over and over and over again to get good at it. So, yeah. and that takes what? Time and time takes what? Age. So yeah. you 30 something shouldn't be in charge of major Christian publications. I'm sorry. I'm sticking with that. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, I've seen you guys are leaning and you're certainly aggressive. And, and I think you're leaning progressive. I'm not saying you're leaning progressive because you're young, but it's a tragedy for that. I'm thinking of a particular publication that I'm not going to name right now because it's a flagship, uh, nationally known Christian publication that's prestigious. And I feel like they're really leaning just in terms of the articles they choose. Even Now I'm just getting a soapbox. Can't do that. But anyway, that's my opinion. <laughs> you know, I love you young people, but uh, you got to get old before you should be in charge of things. That's my opinion. Okay. <laughs> You know, a 30-year-old president would be a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a 70-year-old president, and that's a disaster. So I can't say, I can't, I can't say anyway, I destroyed my own uh, premise there. Anyway, go ahead. Take over. Do something. I'm sorry. I just started ranting. That's good stuff. If you just let him go, he'll go. I'll go. He'll, he'll go. go. <laughs> I mean, I could just, I could just do this for just a little bit, and you know, just go ahead, Thor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. As I could go, I could go. Is a problem. No. No. <laughs> yeah. But I would. I would. Christopher knows. I would go off. And just keep talking. And uh, so it's just, I find it, it just interesting how how much it transitioned. Uh, easily a transition from writing your stand-up to writing scripts because you've been writing, you've got 10 you've written, um, and you've got this new one you, you're talking about with Brad Stein. Uh, how how close is that to maybe seeing production? Yeah. Well, we just sent it out. I just sent it out to people about a week ago. Or less, yeah. No wow. news is good news, I guess. So, <laughs> but it, the problem is it's a little more, it's a, going to be a, at least probably about a three it's, the, the budget's higher than church people yeah it'll be uh, about a three one. to five million dollar budget yeah so, a lot it's, of visual effects. It's, i think christopher say something about that script in terms of i it's one of the most unique if not the most unique script especially christian script i've i've ever read there you it's, go that's what i want you to say it's really good yeah it, it's hilarious it's out of the box Adam and Eve are in it. <laughs> I mean, it's and it's funny, so it, it, it's it's great. But the I will say this about church people. We Pray need to say this about church people before we run out of time here. But um, it's a satire, but it's not a mean satire. Yes, it, we're satirizing. You know, the whole thing of the the point that they really did a great job with. I cannot believe what. Well, I can believe it, but they the Collide Media did such a great job with the trailer. I just yeah. cannot. Uh, praise those guys enough for the trailer they made, but they really hit it in that, you know, is the gospel enough? That's the question that we ask. And of course I, I always tell people this, you can only satirize what you love. Mm -hmm. and we love Jesus and the church. And that's why it's a gentle, uh, you can even say it's a gentle rebuke to the church yeah. for getting away from really what makes the church powerful. And our, uh, mm -hmm. our, you know, our, our great, sound systems and stages and worship bands and, you know, tricky backgrounds, whatever. Uh, those aren't what make us effective. So the gospel is what makes the church effective. Those things can get, get people in the door, but it doesn't keep them there because they can get that anywhere. That's what exactly it. Them is is the fact, gospel. Yeah. Entertainment does it better. That's the whole thing. If we're just looking to be entertained, 
there's a whole industry called the entertainment industry. That's what they really focus on doing. So that's not what the church is about. Otherwise, God wouldn't have put Leviticus in the Bible. Right. <laughs> or, or the genealogies. That's yeah. it, there you go. There you you know, go. Clearly, he has a different point of view of, uh, you know, fun than we do in terms of like what church should be about. And I'm not saying we have to be, you know, frowning all the time and everything. Yeah. But. We're not funny duddies. Yeah. No, not at all. It, okay. You, you know, Thor's uh, rant against young people in charge of stuff. Not I wasn't ranting against young people. I'm just saying they shouldn't be in charge of things. <laughs> Unless you're doing your own startup. Fine. But, you know, when you're dealing with heavy subjects and you're dealing with, uh, you know, subjects that influence, that are influencing subjects, that's fine. If you're, you know, starting up a, a diddly dot, do that. Fantastic. <laughs> Start up your, really your zing zang. Start up your zing zang and your bloop blop. Those, you should be in charge of all those things. Yeah. <laughs> but I have a my I had a daughter today that had to go to the uh, my wife took her to the emergency room for uh-huh. a stomach issue, and so I've got my other daughter watching our three year old. So I'm gonna I don't mean to rush here, but I'm on a time crunch. Gotcha. So gotcha. I told her a certain time. So uh, sure. <laughs> Um, so, uh, well, somebody would stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing we didn't mention is that, that Thor is a lead pastor. So when you give a pastor a microphone, it's hard to, uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. So since you got a time crunch, uh, one of the, the, my favorite parts of my show is I always ask for a testimony. So, uh, Thor, uh, tell us about how you came to know Jesus and uh, was it from a Christian family, or did you find him kind of on your own? How how did uh, you? Yeah, so I grew up during a during a time when there was still cultural Christianity. So I grew up in a home that you know we were uh, what, what's the term? You know we were Christmas Easter's Christmas, Christ, yeah, Christmas, and um, so. But I'd never heard the gospel uh, mm-hmm. ever. I got to my uh, freshman year of college, didn't even know what the resurrection was. So, and when I entered college as a freshman, I didn't believe in morality. Postmodern wasn't like the, that wasn't the catchphrase at the time, but it was like, right. It was being taught, but it wasn't uh, as culturally known as, you know, you can say postmodernism now, people kind of know what you're talking about, but that's basically for the most part, my, you know, I was even, I think I was even more consistent than postmodernism people because I was truly a budding nihilist. I didn't know what nihilism was at that time, but now that I do, I really see that I didn't believe there was right or wrong. There just wasn't. And you can convince me there was. Everything was just, everything truly was a social construct, but I didn't believe that social construct had meaning. And that's my, that's the difference that I have now with people that believe that you can get morality from a social construct. I I never did believe that even before I was a Christian because it's still an untenable position to take. All that Mm -hmm. to say, uh, I I still was pessimistic about humanity because I had some girlfriends. So I didn't believe people were basically good at heart. I just had a, I, I believed in basically, uh, I believed in original sin without even understanding what original sin was. And that's, that was really my introduction. My, I had roommates in college. I, my roommate in college was a Christian and he had friends and they were talking to me and go, what do you think the greatest problem with humanity is? I'm like, narcissism. We're just completely self-centered individuals. Everyone is, you know? And so he's like, I'd agree. We'd use a different word. We call it sin. That was really my introduction. And then from there, I was all ears. What's the gospel? And for me, it was night and day. That's the short answer. 
<laughs> At what point uh, was comedy a, a part of it? Uh, was it before or after that? Uh, no, comedy's been- always been there. Uh, yeah, I wanted to be a stand-up when I was a junior in college. Even, or, no, sorry, junior in high school. Um, you know, matter of fact, I had a friend come to me, uh, one day at lunch and said, you know, I dreamt about you last night. You were on the tonight show. And she goes, you had a good set. And, uh, years later after getting a job and being an operations supervisor at a trucking company after college and just hating it, I thought, you know, if you're not going to follow your own dreams, you might as well follow somebody else's. So <laughs> went into stand up after that. Now the, the question I'm sure that everyone, uh, may want to ask and please don't take offense is Thor your given name or is that a stage name? It is my, it's my legal name. Legal name. So, uh, it's not my given name. It's one of those things I, you know, it's a long story, but you know, I, I changed it in 1987 when I started stand up. And then my wife's name is Dinica, which is Dutch and hard to pronounce. And so Thor and Dinica go really well together. But uh, so I've just kept it, you know, nice. so that, that's the short answer. And I, I really got to run here because I've got a daughter that has to take off. So she can't watch our three-year-old anymore. And I, I can't let him watch right. himself because he's yeah. three and yeah. he's a boy. And he is like raising a Viking. He is. so. <laughs> well, I, I totally understand. And Thor, thanks for joining us. Family first and uh, prayers to your daughter to get better. Hopefully, Dave, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Godspeed. You God keep bless. talking. Keep plugging okay, us, buddy. Yeah. All right. I'll, God bless I'll you guys. Over. Bye. All right. Now that he's out of the way, we can talk. Louise, <laughs> wow! <laughs> I love yeah. uh, family. The and that, that's the 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 joy of doing live broadcasts is like, you know, stuff happens. Neither of us knew that was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's let's dive let's dive into your story too, um, because we you were on the show when we were audio only back in December, but. Uh, I don't know if people remember or or if uh, they they missed it. Uh, tell us about your story and uh, how uh, Jesus found you uh, all the way in Ohio. My story starts in the womb. Ooh. Do we have time? Sure. <laughs> now, now the question is that uh, did did it have a window? So was it a womb <laughs> with a view? A womb with a view. But a He'll be here all night. He'll be here yes. all night. Uh, try the veal. Um, so uh, I grew up in a very small, it's not even a town or a city. It's it's a village. I grew up in the village of Plainfield. I'm not kidding. When you drive into the, I wanted to say town, when you drive into the little village, it says the village of Plainfield on the sign. Um, has less than 200 people. Um, might even be less than 150 people. I'm not sure, but it, it's... Not a lot of people. Usually when you say you're from an, uh, a small place, they're, they're guessing in the thousands. Uh, no, mm-hmm. uh, try low hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and I, and there was a, there was a Methodist church there. I started going to Sunday school when I was in elementary school. And, um, and that, that kind of came about where I think my dad was like, Hey, the neighbor kids are going to Sunday school. Do you, do you want to go? <laughs> And and the thing with my dad was, if you said, yeah, you wanted to do something, then you did it. Mm. Like, if you want to do piano lessons, you do it and you practice. And, you know, um, if you want to learn how to play a sport or something, then you do it and you practice and you take classes and, and whatnot. And so once I said yes to that, I was pretty much 
stuck, so to speak, going to Sunday school. Um, so I grew up basically always believing there's a God, uh, but my theology was extremely limited and shallow. I mean, I remember as a kid thinking to myself, well, why? I think I actually had conversations with God about this. Like, God, what, like, why can't you and the devil just like make up and be friends? Like, why can't you, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, just so like kind of just like not there theologically right. speaking. Um, and it wasn't until junior high that I think it was that I heard like a clear representation of an invitation to accept the gospel. And I was actually at, um, um, even though it was a very small community, we had a youth group and it wasn't very big, but, um, our youth group went to, uh, see a Billy Graham evangelical association movie. And I forget the title of the movie, but in the movie, the characters in the movie went to a Billy Graham crusade and he was giving the altar call. And I just remember sitting there in the movie theater going, if I were one of those characters, I would go forward. Mm hmm. And lo and behold, at the end of the movie, Billy Graham came on the screen and invited the theater goers to come forward and accept Christ. And so I went forward, talked to a prayer counselor, and I, I just I remember I remember leaving there um, feeling forgiven, like feeling mm -hmm. clean and feeling like I was excited. But I can't tell you what the next day was like. I can't tell you what the next week was like. It was just sort of same old, same old. My my theology at the time was, I believe in Jesus, I'm going to heaven. That was pretty much it. Um, and it wasn't until after college that I started getting serious about my faith. And uh, when I moved from Ohio to Southern California initially, um, one of my priorities was to find a Bible-believing church. And I landed at uh, the Church on the Way with Pastor Jack Hayford. Hmm. And um, uh, got plugged in there, and I thought that was a really balanced teaching, and I learned a lot. I mean, there there were gobs of things I used to be I used to think were contradictions in the Bible, and through solid teaching and understanding a little bit more about what the original text says and means, you know, the Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew. That's that's the original language, and when you translate that language into English, it's not a you know, it's not a clear-cut translation all the time. For example, our one word love has like four or five different words in the Greek. Right. You know, eros, agape. And and so when you see the word love in English, that doesn't mean it's it means the exact same thing as you think it does at face value when you first read it. So right. understanding context is key when it comes to Scripture. And I found out that... Uh, there weren't contradictions in the Bible. The mm -hmm. things that I thought were contradictions weren't. It was it was my uh, lack of understanding. At the uh, um, at Jack Hayford's church, uh, did you were you only being taught from uh, from the pulpit, or did you get into small groups? I was uh, part of a I was part of a couple of groups there. There was one called the College Connection, and I'm mm -hmm. still connected to a, um, a small handful of people there. Um, and then um, there was another room, I think it was called Next Generation, which was 
the group above the college connection, I sort of double dipped and went to both. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, so I made friends in each one and, and I did get involved in a small group as well. Shout out to Tom Borga. He and his wife, uh, Crystal, um, opened up their home and, uh, Tom led a small group of men, um, from the church on the way. And so, um, yeah, so I, I was involved in that small group. I was involved in a small group with uh, a fellow college connection person who I'm still connected to today. Shout out to Gary Schertz, who actually did my website, ChristopherSanshaw.com. Gary Schertz with Oak Valley Digital did that. Uh, Let me shout out again, ChristopherSanshaw. There it is, ChristopherSanshaw.com. Gary Schertz did that. So I'm still connected to him today. Um, And uh, so, yeah, um, definitely it was, it was the larger gathering because it's a big, it's a big church. Uh, There's two campuses. Actually, there's three campuses now, I think. Or maybe there's just two. Anyway, it's a big fellowship. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, uh, so yeah, I, I learned a lot there and in small groups and, and on and on. So, And you uh, moved to L.A., uh, to California, pursuing uh, initially acting. Uh, what, uh, what led the transition to uh, going more behind the camera? I sort of, I sort of fell into it. Um, you know, I, in college, uh, my parents got me, a uh, a half inch uh, VHS, a uh, uh, VHS slim cam. It's only like four and a half pounds. And, uh, and, uh, it was a thin model of a, of a home video camera basically. And it, it shot well, standard definition, of course, but still. Um, and so I, I would get these ideas for scenes and stuff and, I wished I could be in front of the camera and behind the camera at the exact same time, mm-hmm. but only God can be omniscient or no omnipresent and, and omniscient obviously, but omnipresent. So I, I, I couldn't do that. And I just, I don't know, just over the years, I found myself more and more behind the camera and more and more enjoying it. I did a lot of, when I first moved to Southern California for a few years, I did a lot of extra work, background acting and movies and TV and music videos and commercials and every once in a while featured and and that was fun but it it started feeling like a dead end gig because i wasn't really advancing there was a i mean on a movie set there's a lot of hurry up and wait mm-hmm. i mean sometimes you'll be there all day and not even be used once um and so there was just there was a it was it started to feel like a dead end and so um you know, I, I got involved in uh, a ministry group called the Interceding so- Ensemble, which uh, it wasn't officially um, a Church on the Way group, but it we would meet at the Church on the Way, and a number of people who attended the Church on the Way were in that ensemble. And so I would do, like, you know, acting there and some directing there as well. But just over the years, my heart changed, and I found myself more and more wanting to create um you know, more on, more on the, uh, behind the scenes side than in front of the camera. Every once in a while, I still show up in front of the camera, but, um, not certainly not as often. And the passion for that isn't there as much as it used to be. Uh, and I, I don't know if they give, um, you know, the smaller roles awards, but, uh, the efficient stage hand, uh, I, I think it's, it, it's deserving of at least a nod. Well, well, thank you. It's yeah, it's an uncredited role at that too. It's on IMDb, but it says in parentheses uncredited. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't get a, a listing in, in the in the 
roll credits at the end of the movie. But, uh, but yes, I did cast myself as the efficient stagehand. Um, if you see, uh, well, I should say when you see church people, if you haven't already, when you see church people within the first like couple minutes or so, um, I run out on, on the stage and give, uh, Thor, uh, Sharpie. It's literally a run on roll. Now, what was your motivation for that role when you went? <laughs> I want to be on camera. <laughs> it's my direct so, cameo. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, one of the things that we mentioned or we talked about before you came on the air is uh, you've got another project that's out. Um, you can find it on your uh, website and your YouTube channel. Uh, tell us about Something Smells Funny. It's actually not on my website yet. I need to oh. get on that. But, um, uh, yeah, when you go to my website, you'll see the Church People trailer. Uh, but um, if you go to Tubi, I think, is it TubiTV.com? Is that the site? Um, anyway, there's something called Something Smells Funny. I want to give a big shout-out to our executive producer, Dr. Tim Watson. Um, real name, Dr. Watson. I know that sounds kind of funny with Sherlock Holmes and everything, mm-hmm. but that that's his real name. Um Unlike Thor. (laughs) But uh, so, yeah, Dr. Watson is our executive producer on it. And uh, we shot four episodes and then we um, edited together a fifth episode, which is actually episode one, if you go to Tubi. But it's a feature ad episode with highlights of the four episodes. So it's it's a highlight episode. Basically, they're about 20 to 25 minutes long and it's hilarity in the kitchen scott wood nails it as host and he has different guests on uh we had bobby collins jimmy brogan mark christopher lawrence and victoria jackson and they're hilarious they're great episodes you learn how to make a healthy dish and um it's really really fun um if you go on you know if you go well go to the facebook page um <clears throat> excuse me facebook.com slash something smells funny and you can see the pinned post there where we announced that it was uh, coming to Tubi. There's a trailer there. You can watch the trailer for it. And, of course, you know, go to Tubi and uh, watch all five episodes for free. So, very fun. I'm going to go grab that link now so we can post it in there. And uh, So, was uh, working with Scott Wood, is he somebody that you've worked with before, or was this kind of the first uh, time out? Yeah, but first time working with Scott um, was actually, it came through Thor, actually, because he and Thor go way back because they're comedy buddies. And um, it was 2012. We were working on a short film called How I Met My Father. As a matter Mm -hmm. of fact, that short film is on Amazon Prime. So if you're a Prime member, it's free there. But um, it's called How I Met My Father. And um, Thor invited Scott Wood to come on and play a thug. In that movie, alongside another uh, really superb, uh, nice actor slash stuntman, Cal Harrison, Calvin Harrison. So mm-hmm. shout out to Cal Harrison. So Scott and Cal played the thugs in How I Met My Father, which, again, you can see on Amazon Prime. Um, it's a short. Um, it's an allegorical comedy about being adopted into the family of God. Mm. And uh, very fun. We did it as a 168 film project initially um, in 2012. And um, it was, if I remember correctly, it was runner-up audience favorite. There wasn't an award for that, but it's just nice to know that it it, it almost made audience favorite. <laughs> but um, 
so yeah, uh, very fun. That's the first time I worked with him, and, and Scott had such a great time on it that um, when his uh, Scott and, and and Tim Watson are like best buds, yeah. and so Tim was telling him, you know, he runs into the same old thing in his uh, pediatric clinic of um, you know just some pet peeves of like you know people don't know how to act when they come to the clinic, they don't know proper clinic etiquette, just, you know common sense things to some people, but to others not. And so he wanted to tackle it in a humorous, non mean spirited way. Right. And Scott's like, I know the guy. And so he remembered working with me on how I met my father. And we started doing comedy sketches about proper clinic etiquette. And Dr. Watson would play them on monitors in his waiting rooms and in the, and in the lobby area of his clinics. And so every couple of years or so, we do a, a, a shoot for uh, a couple or more days uh, doing more sketches or maybe he'll do some one man, you know, one man talking to the camera kind of thing about different topics. And uh, we try to make it funny when possible. And mm-hmm. Scott Wood plays multiple characters, of course, and we bring in other actors and it's really, really fun. And so in August of 2019, we did three days of new sketches that, um, they're actually not even out yet. Hopefully they'll be out soon. Um, and we did three days in the kitchen and one day was with, um, some of Dr. Watson's staff at mission mm-hmm. pediatrics, shout out to missionpediatrics.com. Um, but, uh, and, uh, and then two days we did something smells funny. So the, the, the one day with his staff was basically our warm up and let, let's get ready to do this big show with all these comic guests. And the idea is, you know, it's it's basically there's stand-up comedy in it. There's um, make it a healthy dish that the guest brings, um, you know, the recipe for. And then they show you how to make it and banter back and forth. And just really, it's really fun and funny. It's really fun and funny. You watch that trailer and you'll know if it's your cup of tea or not by just watching that trailer. And that's pretty much the show. It, it's, yeah. it, it's really well done. And I'm serious. Scott Wood nails it as the host nails it. We had four different comedians, four different personalities, and he navigated the waters of that superbly. And, and Scott Wood's hilarious. By just yeah, he is. Uh, he's, uh, he's also an impressionist. He does hunt, you know, a couple hundred or three hundred impressions. I mean, like he's he's really really talented. Do you ever utilize that? Like maybe do some uh, prank calling or? Um, uh, I, I, um, no, um, I, I might have to pay him to. <laughs> I'm not exactly rolling over in the dough here in expensive Northern California, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, I don't know if I imagine he probably has, maybe, I don't know, but, um, um, he has done, he has, we've, we've done some bartering before where I'll do something for him and he'll do like a voiceover for me. And, uh, he did a voiceover for one of my one, six, eight film project, uh, crowdfunding campaigns. That was pretty funny. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, he's, he does because he does the movie trailer guy voice, and he does all kinds of different, you know, famous people impressions. Um, he's hilarious, yeah. and 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 Doctor Watson is kind of like a big kid. I mean, he I mean, he knows when to be serious and how to be serious, but he's a kid at heart, and so yeah. he tries to make pediatrics fun for his staff and for his clientele, 
and um, and doing those sketches and and doing something like something smells funny is is an outlet of uh, one of many layers of his uh, creative um, genius. That's awesome. And um, uh, I'm looking forward to catching up on, on the show. Uh, so much good stuff. Um, but obviously, uh, uh, really looking forward to uh, September 3rd. Uh, September 3rd, Church yes. People, digital and DVD. So virtually anywhere you buy stuff. So, And then probably next year, it'll be on some kind of a streaming platform. But for now, digital and DVD, September 3rd. Let's so, know what you think. Is the uh, the vert is the streaming platform? Is that something that's in the works, or is that something that you're going to work on once the DVDs are out? Um, that's a really good question, and that's probably a question for Collide Media Group. I just know that they mentioned that streaming probably wouldn't be until next year. Okay, right. and 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 um, I don't want to make too big of a stink out of this, but I also heard the possibility of bringing it back to theaters next year as well. I don't know that for sure, but I heard that it was something being considered, um, especially in light of, you know, when it came out the first time, theaters were basically just opening up again after, what, a year of COVID? Right. So, um, so yeah, so um, uh, Fathom Events was, uh, was definitely um, optimistic that we would have done much better had it been pre-COVID. So. Right. So there might be a bring back. We'll see. You know, that's something that, that's something you can be in prayer for. And um, and if there's enough um, if there's enough uh, people getting the the DVD and enough people downloading it, then that might further ensure that you know a bring back could happen theatrically. Uh, for all the updates, uh, you can sign up for the mailing list at churchpeoplefilm.com. Yeah, when you go to churchpeoplefilm.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and, and you can sign up there. Uh, and they do not bombard your email. You're not going to get a ton of emails from them. I mean, it weeks go by before you hear anything. I mean, sometimes months. So <laughs> they basically give you an update when there's an update to give. Not to just say, hey, we're still here. There's actually information in those. Yeah, there's actually, yeah, there's actually information, yeah. So churchpeoplefilm.com and scroll to the bottom and sign up for the mailing list so you can learn about more details on the DVD and digital download release. Also learn about a potential return to theaters. And here's the thing that you got to know about going back to the theaters. And this was a revelation from the Lord through my pastor a few weeks ago. When you go to the theater, you buy your popcorn, and they've got the the uh, thing, to, the spout to add more butter. Attach a straw. So you can actually get down into the popcorn bucket and coat all levels. <laughs> you heard it here. There's a life hack. There's your your theatrical life hack right there. So whether or not Church People Film uh, gets back to uh, churchpeoplefilm.com as uh, for the updates, Church People is the name of the movie. Whether or not it gets back to the theaters, it would be awesome if it does because then you guys should be with people and, and – uh, um, do that popcorn trick, but yeah. and, and, and well, and the other thing I should note too is right now we're only we're about halfway through the month. They're still doing uh, church screenings and school screenings of church people as well. So if you go to churchpeoplefilm.com and click on the button there that says host a showing, 
then there's a there's an online form you can fill out there to bring it to your church, bring it to your school district. Um, they are doing uh, ticketed screening events um, as well, and the hosting venue gets a small percentage of the ticket sales for that event. So, and I think there's even like a a range like you can set the price for like different economic levels or whatever for the price of the ticket. So um, it's a pretty good deal. Last month they were doing five dollar tickets. Wow. It was like a, it was like a movie. It was like a, a summer movie special. Um, but I don't think they're doing that one anymore, but it is still available to see in, in uh, group settings. Uh, you can do a, a ticketed screening. So churchpeoplefilm.com host a showing. And what a great way to bring people back into the church. Cause the study after study is showing that overall attendance is down because of, of work post COVID and, and in America, basically, you know, the church attendance has been going down anyway. So what a great way to get the families back in, enjoy some comedy. Uh, and it's it's not mean comedy, and it's also not the cheesy comedy. Because I, I know that a lot of Christian films, when they try to be funny, they try to be, like, super G-rated. And, like, oh, we can't joke about that. But, like, yeah. we talked about I mean, you if you were here at the beginning and saw the, the trailer, you know, Two Baldwin brothers are in it, Stephen and Billy, China Phillips, uh, Michael Monks, who's a veteran uh, TV and film actor. You've probably seen him in like Air Force One and stuff like that. We got legitimate actors in this thing. Um, Thor does a good job. I mean, like, I, I mean, and he's hilarious. Um, and I'm sure, I, oh, Donald Faison, yeah. Joey Fatone. I mean, we, we have a stellar cast. And um, I'm very, very thankful to God for that. And, uh, yeah, I, I like to say that no matter, no matter where you are, whether you're a Christian or not, or if you are a Christian, no matter where you are in your faith journey, there's going to be at least one or more characters in the movie you're going to relate to. Mm -hmm. There there just is because there's such an eclectic bunch of characters, (laughs) um, on the screen and, and you'll relate to somebody. And anybody that goes to a church that's, that's big enough to have greeting teams and worship teams and this, where it's different people serving, you're you're going to recognize like, oh yeah, we we do have a greeter like that, or yeah, we have that that, that interesting worship leader. Um, <laughs> and there are some churches that have a a, a, a pastor skip. Yep. <laughs> but I loved how you worded that a few moments ago. Uh, he said, we have some really legit actors. And Thor does a good job, too. <laughs> well, this is his first feature as an actor, and it's my first feature of this stature as a... I mean, I've done some documentary-type stuff before, but nothing that made it to this level or anything. So this is my this is my comedy feature film directorial debut. And... Um, and and so yeah, I mean, uh, Thor is a good actor. He is, yeah. and uh, he's hilarious, and he's great fun to have on set. He's he's a hilarious. I mean, like, you know what I think is challenging is when you can look at words on a page, black and white, no visual representation but the words and your imagination, and you can laugh out loud. Mm-hmm. That's Thor Ramsey's writing. Yeah, whether it's a book because he writes books as well. Whether it's a book, whether it's a script, I laugh out loud when I read it. So 
Uh, and and if you can laugh out loud on the script, as long as you execute it well on the screen, then you're going to laugh out loud. And I've heard stories of people laughing out loud. I've heard stories of people crying at the end. Some people sobbing. At, multiple people have told me that they've sobbed at the end because of the climax. And mm-hmm. and you've seen the film, so you can attest to what I'm talking about. But yeah, but um, but it doesn't end on a downer. It, these are good tears. These are good tears. Yeah, and and it doesn't end on a downer. <laughs> so the uh, the fog machine at the end. I, I love the the tease because the whole time you're like, are they going with this full on cheesy weird? And then it's like, yes. And I, I think it's marvelously executed. the The story is great. the The climax is great. Uh, the the partial nudity near the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my golly that it's it's funny you say that because i was looking did you read the movie guide review i have not no movie guide has categories such as nudity and i remember when i first looked at it and it said partial nude i'm like what are they talking about <laughs> yeah you see skip shirtless you see a male shirtless <laughs> that's the partial nudity they were referring to but I mean, like, if you just take that completely out of context, and it's in a very dramatic moment in the movie. Yeah. So if you take that completely out of context and you just see a category, partial nudity, like, what does that mean? Like, oh, yeah, I that threw me for a loop when I first saw that. I was like, what are they talking Partial, what are they talking about? Oh. <laughs> and, and the thing is, like you said, it, it's out of it, – it, it's at a very important moment, and there's a very important statement being made. Oh yeah, it's, it's a lot very of poignant. Moment. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. and we're talking very vaguely because we people need to see it if you haven't already. Yeah. And if you've seen it, get ready to see it again. Whether you want to host a screening event at your church to bring people back, or uh, you you want to get the DVD or digital download and uh, and maybe uh, watch it as a uh, small group. It, you're not gonna, uh, you're not gonna regret it. You're investing in the kingdom because uh, Christopher and Thor, they've got some really great stuff down the pike. They just need the residuals coming from church people to help kind of fund this and push this stuff yeah. forward. I mean, honestly, if you like it, then please tell people about it and please uh, purchase either a download or a DVD because those numbers. Forgive me for being brass tacks, but those numbers communicate to people who might want to fund more content like it that there's an audience out there for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so please uh, spread the word all over social media, spread the word verbally, um, you know, email people. It, it, obviously, if you like it, if you don't like it, then I, I don't want. I, want you, I don't want you to promote something you don't like. But um, if if um, if you like it, please churchpeoplefilm.com, sign up for updates and tell your family and friends and enemies. Yep. And, and here's the thing. If you don't like it, just remember what uh, the prophet uh, Flower used to say. If you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. <laughs> Actually, I think that was Thumper, wasn't it? I, I misquoted. If you don't like it, email Thor at Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we are uh, winding down. I want everyone to make sure to go to churchpeoplefilm.com. Also connect. On what was that website again? Uh, churchpeoplefilm.com. One more time? Churchpeoplefilm.com. 
I, I don't like the way I said it. Let's, let me try this. Churchpeoplefilm.com. Ooh, radio voice. Yes. And the face for radio. Yeah. And the lighting for radio right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need you to come out to Chicago and help me light my room so that uh, I look decent. Oh, oh I, I'm I'm not a gaffer, dude. I'm a, I'm a director and creative producer and creative consultant. I'm not a I'm not a cinematographer. I'm not a gaffer. <laughs> That's yeah. why I hire those people. And and speaking of which, since we're talking about him, I want to give a shout out to Bo Hakala, who was our DP, our cinematographer on Church People, and a shout out to Brock Kingsland. Um, oh my golly, did I say his last name wrong? It's either Kingston or Kingsland. But his first name is Brock. I remember that. But uh, but uh, but I mean, yeah, he. I mean, like they did a stellar job. The movie looks beautiful, and we shot on uh, red Epic cameras. I love shooting on red. I say that as though like I shot it. I didn't. I didn't shoot it. I wasn't. You know, there's. If you go to my Facebook page, you can see a picture of me holding one of the red Epics, <laughs> making a goofy face because that's about all I know and how to use a red camera. <laughs> just to hold it and make a good faith. Um, Tony Oberstar um, was um, one of our camera operators, uh, helped out Bo quite a bit. And so, um, yeah, we had a great team. We were surrounded by consummate professionals, and that's why it turned out so well. Surrounded by consummate professionals and Thor Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did say we. I met yes. Thor and me. We're surrounded <laughs> by consummate professionals. <laughs> and Thor Ramsey. <laughs> I love Thor. Yeah. He's been I, a longtime film collaborator, and I hope, uh, God willing, many, many more years to come. Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Amen. So, uh, yeah, churchpeoplefilm.com. Uh, connect on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look, uh, search for uh Church people. Uh, Facebook is at Church People Movie, and Instagram is at Church People, and uh, uh, Twitter is at Church PPL Movie. Because and if you want to, and if you want to hashtag it, then please hashtag Church People Film. Hashtag Church People Film. Make sure you spread the word because if you like that trailer, share the trailer, share it on all your platforms, and and if you want, um, if you want to natively upload a trailer. Uh, Shoot me an email, and I'll I can get you um, a native upload for the different platforms for an Instagram for a face. You know, I can get you a native upload of the trailer. We have a and we have a thirty second trailer as well, and we have the the full trailer that you saw at the top of the hour here, and um, uh, and I'm told new trailers are coming out for the digital and dvd release what was the date for that again dave ebert that was september the third september third on digital and dvd virtually everywhere you buy movies yes and you know, september the third is perfect because that's the you know that's when the checks hit and it's time to go out and get a movie there you go <laughs> i don't know that's a was a that's a thursday right it's a friday i think it's a friday okay i believe it's a friday I, I should know that, but uh, nine three. I will look on my computer calendar right now. It is. It is a Friday. Uh, you beat me. Sorry, I clicked the wrong thing. It is a Friday. I confirmed it. 
<laughs> so Friday the third, be sure to check it out. Uh, DVD and uh, digital download. Uh, the more the merrier. And, and on demand, on demand, and on, yeah. Oh, on demand too. Uh, we're, yeah, we're yeah, it'll be on. on it'll be on demand. Yep. Sounds great. So be sure to get the updates at churchpeoplefilm.com. And uh, Christopher, there is uh, two, or there are two segments as I get my English. Uh, two final segments. Um, you've gone through this before, but it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, this is called the interrogation. Seven random questions uh, to uh, most of them are softballs, but might be a couple challenging. Okay. And then uh, once again, I'll uh, ask you for your wise counsel uh, for anyone that wants to use their gifts or talents or passions uh, for God's glory. So first off, here is the. Oh, that was intense. Yes. So what does a Sabbath look like to you? Oh, my golly. (laughs) Pass. See, initially I asked this question because we had the Reverend Thor Ramsey scheduled. So I thought I would put the pastor on on the yeah on the put him on the, yeah no um honestly um so okay i'll try to be brief there's a controversy about this um some people believe there's a a literal sabbath and if it is the literal sabbath then it is friday sundown to saturday sundown that is the literal sabbath as the Jew, jews practice it mm-hmm. um some people believe that's still in effect today. Like you're still supposed to observe it. And some people don't um, because of the new covenant. So I, so here's how I would frame it. And I could be wrong. I will say that I could be wrong. I do think that um, it is very important um, physically, emotionally, spiritually to have a day of rest I have not been practicing that, um, and um, I probably should. But I also think, and this is where I could be wrong, I also think that it's not a new covenant requirement to practice the Sabbath. Hmm. And if we did, you know, cause, and then some people will say, well, you know, as long as you take a day, it doesn't matter which day it is, you know. But um, who's right? Right. <laughs> um, I tend to fall in the camp that because uh, of the new covenant, um, you're not held to that standard of, of practicing the Sabbath. But what, is, but what a Sabbath is, to me, it would be a day of rest from work. But it's not just being, I mean, yes, you can relax, but it's not just being lazy. It's, it's a day of rest and, re- and refreshing. So ideally, you're going to want to you know, refresh in the Lord more so than maybe you have the ability to do the other six days of the week. Yeah. That's my take. Works for me. What's question uh, or question number two is what's your favorite place on earth? I usually do horrible with questions with favorite in it. Like what's your favorite movie? I don't have one. What's your favorite. I don't know what my favorite place on earth is. Um, but, um, I can't tell you what my favorite food is. That one I know. Do you want to know what that food is? What is it? Pepperoni pizza with extra cheese. Hands down. Deep dish, pan, or uh it depends on the it depends on the place. Uh my favorite brand pizza right now is round table pizza. 
Okay. Pepperoni and extra cheese. Delicious. 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 Um, but uh, so favorite place on earth. Um, I'll tell you some favorites. I do okay. like. Um, golly, I do like Northern California. Um, I've been to Colorado Springs, and that was very beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think what I would what I would rather answer is my favorite kind of place on earth would probably be. Um, quiet and peaceful so like a nice stream um maybe something not like off the grid off the grid but something a little bit remote like in the woods or something or or i think there's a lot of uh alaska um is visually stunning mm-hmm. you know like a like a cabin in alaska with with snowy cap mountains and so i mean like but I, I don't have a favorite place that comes to mind. Okay. And I've never been to Alaska, so. That's where your next screenplay needs to be taking place, See, so that these, you have a reason. You know, you titled this right. These are interrogation questions. <laughs> because these, these haven't been easy so far. All what right. Keep, oh, my God. What keeps me up at night? Yes. The inability to sleep. Ooh. <laughs> ah, I see what I did there. Um, what keeps me up at night? Um, uh, I'm assuming this is this is more like a deep question, like what keeps me up, like what what concerns me, right? I would say the state of our world. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's just so much jacked up stuff out there, and there's so much stuff that we're ignorant of, myself included, or or we might know something about it, but we don't know the scope of it because we don't want to. We don't want to know the scope of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of nasty. I mean, like when you look at things like human trafficking, for example, and how the United States of America is like numero uno in human trafficking. If I'm not mistaken, isn't that true? Isn't it like? I mean, I know several years ago Atlanta was like number one. Well, uh, the. Uh- the American uh, Super Bowl is the number one trafficking event in the world. Holy crap. See, see yeah. stuff like that should soberly wake you the crap up. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, and there are probably people we know or yeah. people we really, really like. Like, there are known there are well-known people who we adore and appreciate and like because they're famous or for because they're a great actor or actress or whatever who are involved. Yeah. There are. There are government officials who are involved. There are leaders and and um, professing Christians involved. Yeah. I mean, it's it's scary. And in some cases, it's it's an addiction that they probably don't know how to escape from. And in some cases, it's nefarious, and it's all about money and power. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. And 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 when you hear horrible testimonies of satanic ritual abuse, and um, which you know may also kind of lines up with human trafficking in a way, 
when you hear the horror stories of what you know Epstein's Island and all that mm-hmm. stuff, I mean, it's like you think it's made up. You think like you know somebody you know, that's a Stephen King thing. No, like this this stuff yeah. really happens. Kids yeah. from kids are born to be satanically ritually abused. Yeah. It happens. Um so I mean serious stuff like that or stuff like or just the over the, the overwhelmingly insane mainstream cultural narrative that people buy into. I mean here's a big one and I'm probably going to torque somebody with this if we have an audience. Love is love. Really? So if you're in love with your daughter, that's okay. Love is love. Yeah. So if you're in love with your sister, that's okay. Love now, is now, love. Now, now that's a slippery see, slope. See, see, you can't use love is love because it's based on feelings. Mm-hmm. It's based on feelings. And so love is not love in, in the context that you want it to be. You want it to be love anybody you want, but you don't really mean that because there's even scenarios that you would probably disagree with while touting all over the place because you have something else in mind. Love is love. It's not true. Yeah. It's kind of like the uh, coexist bumper stickers. They really don't like Oh, my God. Yeah. I used to, oh, my golly. When I'd see those bumper stickers, I would just like one of the dumbest bumper stickers I've ever seen in my life. Hi, Deanna. Deanna popped in. She she didn't send the heart during this most recent question. She sent it a moment ago. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, hi, Deanna. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us. Um, so, yeah, those are the kind of things that keep me up at night as well because of the fact that um, I work. If I'm being honest, yeah. if I'm being honest, since we're it's an interrogation, I don't toss and turn over that stuff. I I'm I stay up at night because I can't sleep or because I want to watch something entertaining. Yeah. If I'm being honest. Yeah. That's mostly what's been keeping me up at night, not wanting to go to sleep or wanting to be entertained. So Question number 4, if you could, what's something that you wish you could go back and do over? And this could be a positive like you want to re-experience it, or it could be oh, oh oh oh. You know, sometimes I think I want to go back and start collaborating with people way sooner than 2010. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like I started the 168 Film Project journey in 2008, and then I took a year off, and then I did one in 2010, and that's when Thor and I first collaborated on the short film Skip Listening which I think I mentioned this before, but we have a feature link script for that now. So hint, hint, wink, wink. If anybody wants to fund a feature link version of skip listening, hit us up. Yeah. Um, probably in the neighborhood of a million dollar budget. Um, sweet spot would be 1.5 to three, but you know, we could probably uh, do a decent job with a uh, uh, million dollar budget for the, the scope of that script. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I would, I think I would probably want to, to know that I could connect with people like I started really doing through the one, six, eight film project sooner, you know? Um, And maybe, 
you know, I had some script ideas that I either started writing or, you know, never wrote or whatever. Maybe like tackling some of that stuff. Like I started, I took a screenwriting class in, um, at the junior college, uh, locally here in Santa Rosa. And, um, one of the reasons I took the class was because, uh, the end project was you had to write the first 10 or 11 pages of your script. And so I knew it was going to force me to write something. And that's what I love about the 168 film project, by the way, 168film.com is it forces you to finish a short film. I mean, like if, if you're signing up for the speed film category, there's a deadline, <laughs> you know, you have so many days to write and get ready. And then you have 168 hours to shoot, edit and turn it in. And for years, the one, 168 film projects were my director reel, you know, mm. um, at, for years. So um, a little side plug there is, you know, utilize the resources at your disposal. If you don't have a camera, you probably know somebody who does or join some Facebook groups. There's all kinds of Facebook groups for different parts of the world when it comes to, uh, you know, connecting with other creatives, um, faith-based even. So, uh, but yeah, I think I might want to reach out and collaborate on more stuff uh, because, you know, maybe, maybe I would have done a feature film sooner than, um, how old was I in 2016? Was I in my thirties or forties? I was in my, yeah, I don't know. Maybe when I was in my 20s, I would have had a feature out or, or, you know, or maybe if I'd done something, you know, in my early 20s or something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question. Uh, with whom do you most identify in scripture? Wow. Do you like have a brainstorm team to come up with these questions, Dave? <laughs> Usually it's like coffee or tea. Milk or, you know, like, you know, no, these are like deep questions. With whom do I most identify? Well, I'll be honest. This one's really difficult for me because I have the tendency, as I believe many people do, to elevate people in scripture above mere humans. You know, mm-hmm. we look at people like, you know, Peter and Paul, and we sort of you know, yeah, we know Peter denied Jesus three times, but, you know, he also wrote part of the New Testament or was a, a major disciple. But we tend to gloss over the failure. I mean, like, they yeah. were human beings. And um, let me give a shout out to that show, The Chosen. Um, one of my friends is, is an associate producer on it, Justin Overlander. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, I love that guy. Great guy, family man, associate producer on The Chosen. Hilarious. I mean, he's got filmmaking chops, editing chops. Uh, some of you might not know, but early on, the behind-the-scenes stuff, he edited that. Hmm. And now he's he's moved up um, to, uh, to actually uh, helping produce content, like uh, testimonials and stuff of people who've watched the show and been changed by the show and stuff like that. And he is hilarious. He is a funny guy. Anyway, The Chosen does a great job at showing you that these people were human beings. Mm-hmm. They had struggles. They had temptations. They had to overcome stuff. And, you know, you read things like, I mean, like, here's a, here's a classic example of not understanding context. 
we in the 21st, we're in the 21st century, right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't just time try that. No, we in the 21st century read something like tax collector and we don't, we don't understand it. Mm-hmm. We don't understand that Matthew as a tax collector, he was a traitor to his native people and he worked for the enemy. Yeah. So he had a double whammy against him. His own people didn't like him and he worked for the enemy and he taxed the crap out of, you know I mean? Like we just, we don't understand that in our modern day vernacular, what that means to be a tax collector at that point in time. And to know that and to see that and to see that life transformed by his encounter with Jesus through a show like the chosen. Yeah. It's, it really helps you process what you're reading in the Bible better, you know, because you can, because you can, you can relate. I talked earlier about like, you're going to find people in church people that you relate to. You're going to find people in the chosen that you relate to. Yeah. They were human beings like us. And to piggyback off what you're saying the 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 dynamics of the relationship between Matthew now as a saved disciple and the other disciples, we kind of think, oh, everyone's on the same team, everything's yeah, perfect, dory. yeah. We we think they're all buds, and they they were they they were at each other's. You know, they didn't agree with each other all the time. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, there, there's a, there's this common thing that I've wrestled with for so long is like you you tend to elevate mm-hmm. people in the Bible because they were saints or, or, or whatever. But realize this, the New Testament says that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a saint. Yeah. Letters in the New Testament say, to the saints who are in Ephesus, to the saints who are, to the saints who are, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean. And one more piggyback off of what you're saying. There was such a blowback when Mary Magdalene had her backslide her little her struggle like what in the like seriously have you met yourself have you looked at yourself in the mirror i mean seriously and that's what i'm talking about there is this tendency to elevate above where you're at these mere mortal human beings who were still tempted when they were saved you know i mean like it's yeah it it, it, yeah the 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 comment thread on the chosen fan page can get really cray cray, yeah, <laughs> and self righteous and yeah. and you know and like I wouldn't have done it that way and you know I mean like and there uh, there's legitimate concerns that come up sure I mean you have to be careful when you're dealing with scripture you do right. and when you and especially when you take creative license and backstory you have to be really careful to not stray away from the contextual tone and the characters, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, so it's, it, it's, it's, it's nuanced, but there's a lot of self-righteous people. And honestly, I've been one of them. And I don't like that about myself. So, but I think we're all good. It, Dave, this is I'm an interrogation. <laughs> This might be easier. Uh, who's the coolest or most inspiring person you've met? 
And as a caveat, this because it's another favorite. It's another like who's who's the most? Who's the favorite? Who's the? I don't know that I have just one. Can I name off a few people that I've yeah that I've I've really appreciated over the years? Um, My radio professor in college, John Buckles, um, helped me in a spiritual crisis. Um, Mm. uh, I I found him to be uh, cool and somebody I could. Let me just tell you the story real quick. Yeah. It was finals week, I believe. So he's hecka busy. Mm-hmm. And I'm having a I'm having a spiritual crisis like am I saved? Am I not saved? I mean, that's been I mean, like that that's been one of my struggles over the years. Like, you know, when am I saved? When am I not saved? Was I ever saved? You know, all yeah. that all the all the the doubt and stuff, right? And I was having one of those moments because I was listening to a fiery preacher at the time. And man, that just sent me down a rabbit hole. And and like I got the impression, whether he intended this or not, I got the impression that it was every time you sin, you lose your salvation. Which I don't believe, by the way. Right. But I really struggled with that for a long time. And so I was just having I was spiraling and I was defeated. And I would and I and I basically I knocked on his office door at Otterbein College. <laughs> and he could when he saw me, he could just tell like, Oh, (laughs) I'm going to have to spend some time. And he did. We spent like 45 minutes and he was in the middle of finals week. I mean, he was in the thick of it. And that dude took 45 minutes. And and honestly, usually when I visit Ohio, I try to get to see him. We go to our, one of our favorite pizza places. There is Donato's pizza, which I used to work for. Uh, we'll we'll go and and share Donato's pizza and and almost every time we reminisce and and meet, we mention that instance because mm-hmm. it was just it was so monumental in our relationship. And he sat down and talked with me and he walked me through some things and and then later we met with his pastor uh, who was a really good friend and uh, you know it just um, so John Buckles shout out to John Buckles um, Thor Ramsey. Uh, one of my favorite people to uh, collaborate with. I mean, I used to, I said I was a Thor Ramsey fanboy. I used to sit there and watch Bananas Comedy in my bachelor pad, single it's time, uh, goldfish or not. <laughs> but, you know, and I would just sit there and I I would watch the beginning of the show and, and they had these fun graphics that pop up and you know, Thor's image would pop up and do all these fun poses and whatnot. I was just sitting there thinking, Man, what would it be like to be friends with somebody like Thor Ramsey? Yeah. You know? And then I'm watching the show more and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to see if I can find these comics that are on the show on Facebook. So I looked up John Branion, I looked up Michael Jr. And I looked up all these, you know, funny people um, and uh, connected with them on Facebook, including Thor. And uh, so, yeah. So I... Um, the coolest, most inspiring person, quality-wise, I would say, are people who are witty and funny, people who are genuine um, and and authentic. And I don't mean that as a buzzword that's going around nowadays, but I mean like somebody who's genuinely authentic. Um, and I really appreciate pastors who are like that. I've I've been blessed to know a small handful of pastors in my life who are genuine, sincere, transparent, and relatable. And I really appreciate that. 
And I want to give one more shout out. There's somebody else who comes to mind, uh, Beckett Cook. Beckett Cook is a really cool guy with a powerful testimony. He came out of the homosexual lifestyle, um, radically saved and transformed. And uh, he is a very genuine, relatable person. And I really appreciate him. And I want to give a shout out to his book. He has a book called A Change of Affection, A Gay Man's Story of Redemption. Mm. I might have the subtitle wrong, but the title is A Change of Affection by Beckett Cook. The foreword is by Francis Shan. And it is a power. It's a great read. I read that book faster than I read most books. I mean, I, I read that book in like a couple of days. Um, it's a super easy read. He's a great writer. Um, whoever edited it did a great job. I mean, it's a great book. So get a change of affection for sure. Definitely want to look that up. That's awesome. Um, so final hard question is uh, whose story do you want to tell in, in a film, whether it's a character or an actual person or just an idea? Oh, okay. That's interesting. Well, the story that I that I started to tell, uh, again, I'm going to have multiple answers to this. Yeah. But the story that I started to write, um, and I actually, I think I got an A plus on it in in that in that uh, junior college class that I took. Um, it was about a guy who was desperately trying to hear from God, mm. and uh, at the time, I was thinking I would play the guy, I would direct it. Um, I never finished. I have yet to finish the script, but it was a great story about this guy who, who sets up, he writes down on his calendar. He's going to spend these days trying to hear from God. And the idea was he latches on to everybody else's way that they hear God. Like, you know, he'll hear some person say they hear God in this scenario. Uh, somebody else's uh, God speaks to them through poetry and somebody, you know, and so he tries all these different, he basically tries to ride the coattails of how other people hear God. Mm -hmm. Because um, for, for, for somebody who may be watching who doesn't know, there are, there are God speaks to people differently. I mean, he doesn't contradict himself, and he doesn't contradict the word of God, the Bible, but he, he may speak to somebody through impressions, or he may speak to somebody through something they watch, or he may speak to somebody through um, um, a still small voice. Some people hear God audibly. Mm-hmm. I've known people who hear God audibly uh, and seen the fruit of it. So um, uh, some people he gives uh, words of knowledge to, you know, uh, you know, you might be in counseling or something and, and somebody will be deposited a word of knowledge that there's no way they would have known it because you never told them and nobody else ever told. I mean, like, so word of knowledge. So he speaks to people differently. And so this character is somebody who doesn't know how to hear from God. He desperately wants to hear from God. And the very next time he hears somebody else's testimony about how they hear from God, he tries to do that thing. So it's mm -hmm. a quirky comedy. I'm a quirky goofball. It's a fit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, and I don't, and I don't know the ending of it yet, but I know at some point, like, you know, um, Mormons show up at the door and like, do you not hear from God? You know, so like there's there, there's different funny uh, scenarios um, asking uh, different people how they hear from God. Um, <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses show up and he's like, do you know how to hear from God? And they take off running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
So yeah, so that's a fun one. Um, as far as a real person, the one that keeps coming to mind is um, I have uh, had a fantastical thought of uh, it might be cool to do a movie about Keith Green. Hmm. Um, and I know that there was a movie that was in process. They were going to make a movie. There was a script. And I don't know whatever happened to it, but this was several years ago. Like, like Melody Green would, would like post updates of like, you know, we had a meeting, they had a director, they had producers and they had a script and I don't know what happened, but uh, apparently it, it fizzled or something. I don't know what the update is on that, but, and it's been several years now, but I think that would be a really um, powerful story to tell. But I mean, there, there's, there's so many. There's so yeah. many. I mean, I think it might be fun to do a, a, a story on Becca Cook's testimony, you know, do a movie about that. I mean, that would be a powerful film. Yeah. I mean, he was radically saved. He was a sinner in a church service and God, the Holy Spirit fell on him and just, mm-hmm. I mean, he was weeping and, and he was, and then, and then it happened later in the day, and he was like, "I'm yours." <laughs> I mean, wow. and he was full on in the homosexual lifestyle. He was full on of that kind of mindset and worldview of, and not really believing in biblical things, you know. And he was radically transformed in his thinking. And um, he's got a YouTube channel called The Becca Cook Show. Uh, you should check it out. Um, he talks about things in the culture. Like, you know, one of the things that keep you up at night is like just how crazy the ideologies and philosophies of the world are right now. Crazy. Yeah. And he tackles some of that stuff and he does it in a very tenderhearted, compassionate, loving way. And that's one of the things I admire about him is, is he can speak the truth in love. He, like he's, he is a visual representation of speaking the truth in love. Becca Cook. I'm pulling up his uh, channel now. Um, and one of the things you just mentioned is, you know, kind of mirrors some that I've noticed is that a lot of people don't want to allow the idea that you can leave that lifestyle. Oh, I they, would say, well, certainly in the mainstream cultural narrative, absolutely not. They don't know what to do with stories like that. They, they either think that that they're fooling themselves and, and you can tell by talking with and listening to Beckett Cook that he's not fooling himself. He had an encounter with the living God. No question. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's all kinds of spin about it. Um, uh, yeah. The, the mainstream cultural narrative is insane. It is absolutely insane. And I would even hazard to say that half the country doesn't even buy into it. They might say they do. They might virtue signal about it. But, you know, again, you say love is love. Like, oh, yeah? How about these siblings over here who want to get married? Is that okay? You're going to find something where they're not going to be able to apply the love is love thing, whether it's, you know, adult child or siblings or 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 something that's just like way out there, you know, uh, bestiality, something you're going to be able to, to not go love is love. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those 
fluffy, lovey-dovey things that sounds all warm and fuzzy, but it's full of lies. Yeah. And You're, deceit. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and, uh, and yeah, you got the Becca Cook show up there on the screen now. Thanks for doing that. Um, yeah, and he tackles cultural narratives like this. Like there's a there's a there's a new documentary on Netflix called Pray Away. Mm. And he tackles that. Somebody who came out of the homosexual lifestyle tackles that whole thing. And he and he gets to the core issue of of why the Exodus movement failed. It isn't because they were fooling themselves in the sense that well, that's just the way they were born. It's not that. It's a belief. When your belief changes, your behavior changes. And right. so many people try to do it the other way around. Change your behavior and that'll change how you believe. When your core belief changes, your behavior follows. Yeah. And that's Whatever why, it is you believe. That's how we describe being a Christian as a relationship. When you have that moment where you fall in love with Christ, you change because like you're married. He I'm changes married. you. He changes, he changes you. you. You can't change yourself in that way. Beckett cook could not have saved himself. Like he, like he experienced. That was a radical transformation from the living God himself. Amen. Or none. I mean like hands down radical transformation from the living God. That would be a great story, and that would be a, a deviation from your norm because you most of your stuff has been uh, along the lines of comedy. So to dive in and tell uh, a serious story, I think, will be really cool to see from you. Yeah, I am attached to a number of non-comedies, like you know some thrillers and stuff, but um, some of them are bigger budget, and uh, the, you know just. But yeah, my niche does tend to be comedy, and I love doing comedy because I love to laugh. Um, and I think it's important for people to laugh. Laughing is healing. Laughing ministers to people. And if you have a poignant message, I like to call it poignant laughter. If you have a poignant message like church people does, and you can help people laugh at some of the goofiness that they've seen and possibly done themselves, then it tears down those walls. You know, uh, laughter helps bring people together and you can deposit quite a bit of truth after some laughter. Mm -hmm. It literally breaks the walls down. It, it tills the soil so that a seed can be planted. Yep. And, uh, you know, I've seen it with, uh, doing improv and the things that, that we do is that it, it really makes the heart open because when you get a group of people to laugh together, they've admitted something about themselves, which automatically makes them united. Even if they don't yeah. know it or understand it. Yeah. I mean, can you think of one off. other, can you think of one other example that quickly unites people than laughing together? It's huge. It's such a it's such a powerful ministry tool. Um, and and you know some people you know balk at clean comedy because it's cheesy. There is non cheesy clean comedy out there. Yeah. And in, and and I would even argue, and as many do, you have to be funnier than the mainstream comic who uses foul language and tons of raunchy jokes and all that. You have to be, it's harder to be funny and not do that thing, to not right. do that kind of stuff. Um, and, and so when you accomplish that, you know, that's, that's comedy gold. Yeah. And here's the secret. We, we serve the ultimate creator and we're in his image. So therefore we should be just as creative. 
And who created laughter? I mean, you know, I mean, that's the other thing that, you know, there's a lot of religious fuddy-duddies out there, you know? God created laughter. Yep. God created joy. And I know I went through an encounter in my life where um, around the time that I met Thor, that I I really felt like I needed to laugh. And um, I was under the impression that if I did do something, um, if I did do a faith-based project, then I, I felt like it had to be heavy and meaty. Where's the meat kind of a thing, you know, and, and tears. But again, I'm a quirky goofball. And even <laughs> when I did stuff like that, especially if I acted in it, my quirk still came out. It, mm-hmm. There was still quirkiness in it, you know. And and so I went through a time where I realized I needed to laugh. I, I felt like the Lord was changing my heart in that way that I needed to laugh. And that was around the time I started collaborating with Thor. And um, or shortly thereafter, I started mm-hmm. collaborating with him. And um, I love it. Um, so once again, if you have the means and you want to see more, you know how to find us. Yep. Churchpeoplefilm.com or ChristopherSeanShaw.com. And uh, Christopher, the uh, final, final question I'm going to ask before I let you go is for anyone that wants to use their gifts for God's glory, whether their uh, talents, their passions, or even redeeming the experiences they've been through, uh, what would your wise counsel be for that person? Well, I'd like to preface this kind of a question with, if God tells you to do something other than what I tell you to do, then listen to him. <laughs> okay. So he may have a better strategy than what I'm going to tell you. But um, I like to tell people that you don't have to sit around and wait anymore to do something. You don't, If you're an actor, you don't have to wait for your phone to ring to see if you got the audition or if you get, produce your own stuff. Um, if you got one of these, there's a really good camera on there. You can do monologues. You can, if you're a filmmaker or cinematographer, you can start shooting stuff. You can even buy different lenses to put over this. Mm -hmm. You don't need a red. You don't need an Ari Alexa. Use what you have. And when you're ready to move up to the next thing, if you don't have it or you can't afford it, you probably know somebody or can get to know somebody who does, you know? So I like to say, surround yourself with like-minded people who want to create and who fill in the gaps where you're, you're not strong in, you know, I'm an okay writer. I'm not Thor Ramsey writer, you know? So when I have an idea or something, or if I get a a concept for a short or whatever, and if I don't think I have the chops to write it, I reach out to somebody like Thor or somebody like Scott Wood or somebody like, you know, Wes Halula, you know, who was one of the writers on church people. I I reach out to people who know how to do that stuff. Like I said before, I'm not a cinematographer. I'm not a gaffer. I reach out to somebody who knows cinematography and who, who knows gaffing. I know how to collaborate with them and and communicate my vision. And then we collaborate on the shot. But as far as the lighting and how good it looks and all that stuff, I, I have to admit where I lack. So admit where you lack 
excel at what you're good at and surround yourself with people who do the other stuff. One of the one of one of the things that'll tank a project quicker than anything is the writing. Mm-hmm. If you're not a good writer, and you have to be honest with yourself on this. Almost everybody who writes a script thinks that you know it was a deposit from God, or or it's it's their baby, it's their creation, it's hilarious, or it's this, that, or the other. Get outside feedback and be honest with yourself. If it's not quality. Find somebody who does quality Mm -hmm. and surround yourself with those people in every aspect. If you're, if your short film or feature film needs animation and you're not an animator and you want to YouTube it, yes, you can learn great stuff that way on YouTube. You probably want to hire somebody who can do it. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Who already has the experience. Um, And then learn from them. Yes. It's not that you can't learn the stuff. Some people learn different things from necessity and whatnot, and that's great. But I, but big leap from my first 168 film project short to my second one. It was a, there was a couple years in between, but on my first one, I was the lead actor. I was the writer. I was the director. I was the cameraman. I was the craft service. I wore like six or seven different hats on that thing. Mm-hmm. And it was ridiculous. There are people who can do that and do that well. I don't recommend it. My second 168, which was Skip Listening, which was a massive improvement, I produced and directed. I wasn't the editor. I sat with the editor. I looked at the editor's cut. I gave notes. I mean, yeah, you still do that as a director. But I wasn't the main guy. I got to I got to shoot it and take a day off. Yeah. And then go in and sit down and watch what he had, you know? And tweak it from there. Um, yeah, so surround yourself with like-minded people who are good at what they do. I mean, quite frankly, surround yourself with people who are better than you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you love church people, that's not because of Thor Ramsey and me solely. That is become That is because of a team of talented people in front of and behind the camera. And in post production, who 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 put that all together? I mean, just on the shoot itself, there was like somewhere around I think seventy five to eighty people cast and crew. Wow! I mean, and that's just the shoot. I mean, then you got post production and stuff after that, and 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 distribution, and you know, Collide Media Group did that trailer. That trailer is incredible. None of us did that. Collide Media Group did that. (laughs) And they knocked it out of the park. They tell you what the movie's about without giving the movie away. And it's it's upbeat and they nailed it. Yeah. And that that's the beauty of the trailer is that the funny some of the funny is there, but they don't ruin everything because well, and I can can honestly say also, and, and some people would agree, I don't know if you would agree or not, but the funniest stuff in the movie isn't even in the trailer. Right. There's funnier stuff in the movie than it's in the trailer. And the trailer's great. So I, I, they nailed it. Knocked it out of the park with that trailer. The editor for that trailer was uh, is a guy named Scott Edge. Uh, he's part of the team at Collide. Or, or they utilize, I don't know if he's part of the team or they utilize him or what. But Collide Media Group put it together. The editor was Scott Edge and um, just nailed it. Knocked it out of the park. 
So, so yeah, surround yourself with people who know how to do what you don't know how to do and bring the story alive together and do quality work. Yeah. I think one of the traps people fall into is they try to do too much, especially on their first outing. Right. And there are anomalies. There are people who can do that. I mean, there's a guy on YouTube who does great YouTube videos um, about his filmmaking experience. He's won awards. Um, his name is, uh, the YouTube channel is D for Darius. His name is Darius something. Uh, black guy, really, really talented. He, he can do it. He can shoot it. He can do the sound. He can edit it. He, I mean, he can do it. And he, he probably taught himself or, or, or learned through maybe some schooling. I don't remember. But probably mostly just trial and error and taught himself. Yes, you can do that. But it's so much better with a team who knows what they're doing. So much better. Oh, yeah. And, and not only is it that they know better, but having extra sets of eyes as you're producing yes. and creating something. Yes, yes. And especially when it's a like-minded group, especially when you're Christian productions, yeah. having like-minded Christians say, wait, you know, maybe that'll be a little bit uh, heretical or. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, in life, you need a second set of eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the scriptural model. I mean, even when they went out and evangelized, they did it two by two. They weren't long rangers. They went out in sets of two. We need each other. Um, this isn't meant to be a Lone Ranger marathon run. This is meant to be a, a, a run, a, a marathon in with exhortation and correction and encouragement and camaraderie. If you look at Jesus' ministry, what did he do? He didn't go by himself. He built a team before he even started the official ministry. Mm-hmm. So uh, They needed a- each other. Yeah. They needed each other. Absolutely. And we need each other. Absolutely. So, uh, Christopher, it's been a blast. We have gone. uh, This is probably the longest show I've ever done, but uh, it's awesome. You Uh, You should have an award of some kind for people who actually watch the whole thing. Well, she's right here in the kitchen eating some fries. So. <laughs> um, so I don't know if uh, if Deanna hung out with us uh, uh, for a long time, but uh, uh, it's been a blast. I'm I'm so looking forward to seeing uh, church people getting more people's hands uh, because it it is really a fun film. It's not cheesy. The trailer does not give it all away. But it's not just comedy. There is something very poignant that's said there at the end. Yep. I like to call it poignant laughter. So check it out. Churchpeoplefilm.com. Sign up for the updates. And uh, Chris, uh, Christopher, it's been so much fun having you back on. And uh, uh, praying that uh, Church People blows up on DVD and digital release and uh, on demand so that we can see some more stuff, including Skip Listening, uh, the movie uh, Adam and e- or the Revenge, Revenge of Adam and Eve. Eve. Yeah, and we're working on uh, a time travel movie through a biblical lens uh, right now. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I mean, the script for it, not the movie itself, but sure. we're working on the script for it. Um, uh, so yeah, so uh, lots of stuff in the hopper that needs funding. Um, and something smells funny on Tubi, streaming for free now. Go to, I think it's tubitv.com. Or just go to facebook.com slash something smells funny like he has on the screen right there. And you'll see the trailer for it. And there's also information there with a direct link to watch the episodes for free. 
So uh, we're hoping to do more of that too. Uh, Scott Wood would love to do more of those. Dr. Watson would love to do more. But you know, it, they were basically Dr. Watson funded, and 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 I, I don't know if you know this or not, but but shooting stuff is expensive. Yes. <laughs> so especially you know the bigger the team and the the bigger uh, the number of people involved, I mean it's 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 costly. Yeah. And now with you know uh, COVID regulations on set and stuff, I haven't been on a set since 2019. Wow. So, and if I do go on a set uh, again soon, it'll probably be with COVID regulations, which jacks the cost up even more. Yeah. <laughs> so, testing, mask. Yeah. You have to have a, a COVID compliance officer on set. I think you have to have a nurse on set. You got to do the testing. And those tests, you know, depending on what kind of a deal you get, they can be as expensive as like 125 bucks, I've heard. I mean, like, wow. yeah, I mean, like, multiply that times the number of people in your cast and crew. And then, you know, and that's on top of, you know, cameras and lighting and all the other stuff. So it's it's costly. Yeah. So we would love to have sponsors and or investors for something most funny as well and do more episodes with uh, some more of your favorite comedians. And maybe two of those uh, new comedians that you work with in the future are our uh, guest next week, uh, Michelle Van Dusen and June Colson. Uh, they will be our guests next week. Uh, they nice transition. Nice transition. Hey, I'm not the uh, best color man in the business for uh, no reason. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, check out next week's show and um, uh, check out all of our episodes on the Creative Motion Network. You can see some of uh, our guests' work on there, including – I uh, believe uh, How I Met My Father is uh, on uh, Creative Motion Network. I think it is there, yes. And so is Wireless. That's Wireless. A one. It's a mobster comedy. Which stars one of our previous guests, uh, Jerry. Uh, Jerry De La Sala, Josh Murray. Josh uh, Murray, David who Bowler, I have to Amy with. Sutherland, yeah. David Shark Freilich, and uh, Tyler Johnson. Tyler A. Johnson. Yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, Thor is not in that one, but he wrote it. So okay. still Thor Ramsey humor. Uh, yeah, that's a fun one. Wireless. Definitely check that out. And How I Met My Father. And I think Skip Listening is on there, too, if I'm not mistaken. I think they have it on, on their on Creative Motion Network. I can't remember if I saw it there or on, I think it was, it's also on 24 Flicks, uh, Skip Listening. Oh, I is it? Oh, yeah, okay. Where I yeah. watched it. But uh, yeah, a lot of great stuff on Creative Motion Network and a lot more great stuff coming from our guest, Christopher Sean Shaw. And also... Thor Ramsey, um, uh, your family first. So uh, uh, unfortunately, he had to take care of kids. Or not unfortunately, but for unfortunately for our show, he had to take care of his kids. But fortunately for him, and you know, he's got. That's a horrible transition. I, I had one good transition. I should have ended the show then. Man, and yet we're still talking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll call cut on this, and uh, we will see you next Monday night. That's a wrap. <laughs>